This is Writers Not Writing, the show where you can get to know your favorite writers and soon-to-be favorite writers by listening to them confess to the ways they procrastinate. Thanks for procrastinating with us. I'm Benjamin Gorman, and the quiet guy behind the glass there is Doug the producer. I write novels and collections of poetry and stuff. Doug tries his best to make me sound better. And each week we have a secret word to listen for. If you catch it, you earn the right to take an extra break at the time of your choosing from whatever is stressing you out. From Not A Pipe Publishing, welcome to Writers Not Writing. Today's secret word is goats. <laughs> That's awesome. Okay, great. Welcome, everyone. This week's guest is Eric Grove. Eric Grove is a writer, a writing teacher, a long-distance runner, and little dog wrangler living and doing things in Portland, Oregon. He was a teaching assistant for writing workshops run by Chuck Poli... How does Chuck pronounce his last name? Polinick. 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 Chuck Pol... Mm -hmm. A name that I have read and not ever, I've not ever had a chance to meet him. Chelsea Kane, on the other hand, I've met many times. She's fantastic. And you've yep. worked with her. Uh, and now uh, Eric offers editorial services and coaching through WorkingTitle.us. Uh, he's a Viable Paradise Workshop graduate, social media manager for Willamette Writers, and the assistant producer for the 2023 Nebula Awards. You can find his work in places like Nightmare, Escape Pod, and the Space Cocaine Anthology series. I have a story in one of those anthologies as well. Those are those are some those are yeah. some excellent folks. Um, yeah, so thank you very group. much for being here, Eric. It's good to be here. So the viewers can see we dress up in costume yep. for every episode, but for the sake of the folks listening on the podcast, tell everybody about your costume for this week. So I'm I'm going full aspirational. I'm looking forward to fall. So, uh, you know, just a head to toe uh, uh, human sized gourd. Yes, yes. And I went, I tried to match that. And so I was thinking, you know, this fall feeling. And so I wanted to do uh, one of those like wicker uh, horns of plenty that you see on Thanksgiving. Yeah. But it just, I mean, it's so the, the the folks who can see it, this is this is hard to describe, but the opening of the horn is over one shoulder and then it's under one arm. So like my head and one arm are sticking out of the mouth of this wicker horn. It's very strange, but uh, yeah, think Thanksgiving like is throwing up me on you. Yeah. So it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's a weird look, but I am with you on the feeling like fall is finally arriving. I, I like the the chilly weather a lot better you know somebody with my complexion does not do well in any kind of sun i burn in about 10 minutes so fall coats rain i am really looking forward to it so i've been really excited to have you on uh, as i mentioned you are the the uh social media manager for Willamette writers and so you're spending a lot of time on social media, uh, and I'll bet you have some uh, thoughts. <laughs> How's that been going? I absolutely do. It's tough. Uh, I mean, for a lot of reasons, um, it's not it's not the same thing that I was doing a year ago, right? Like a year ago, uh, running social media for Willamette Writers was was a different scenario. It changed pretty dramatically after. Um, the ownership change of Twitter. Um, but, but I mean, it's, it's been trending in different directions, you know, people have kind of splintered a little bit and go yes. into different, different platforms. Um, and, you know, when you're doing the social media for Willamette writers, you know, there, there's multiple like objectives. So it's, it's 
reaching out to the community, bringing new people into Willamette Riders. It's letting our current membership know about events and things that they can get involved in. Um, it's just generally kind of reminding everybody that we're still about, you know? Um, so, you know, different platforms work differently for, for those things. Uh, like we'll have a very engaged group on Facebook, which is a good place for us to let them know about events. But if we want to get like writers to kind of engage in chit chat, Twitter used to be the place to do that. We used to have lively conversations on Twitter. Uh, it is less like that now. Yeah. Um, so there's a lot, there's a lot in that social media space um, that that's changed. And, and uh, I mean, even for me personally, I, 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 I struggle with it. Like I hate yeah. going on social media anymore. It's, it's miserable. Um, is, uh, is Willamette writers on like blue sky and threads uh, yet? Not yet. We've talked about it now. I mean, there, there are a variety of reasons why uh, it's, it's hard to, it's hard to follow these. One is that, you know, you don't want to, you don't want to throw resources into a platform before you know whether or not it's going to work. Right. Um, we've talked about threads. We've talked about blue sky. We've talked about Mastodon. Um, there are tools that we use that help us, you know, that allow us to do multiple post yep. schedule stuff so that we're not doing it manually. Uh, and those tools don't really work yes. with, with Mastodon or, or they might, there might be solutions for Mastodon, but they would be different tools. Um, so it, we can't, you know, it would be a very different work flow for us to do those other platforms. And we don't know if our audiences, you know, if our members are there or our potential members are there. Um, so it's just like a, you know, we look at the, we look at our, our results, you know, either directly, like we see, Hey, we put out a post, we see who responded to it. Or we look at, we look at like metrics that we can get. Mm -hmm. And um, it feels like kind of day by day, week yeah, by week, you know, really we're, just doing our, we're just doing our best to kind of, to kind of engage people. Um, yeah, I'm on now, you know, for the sake of the, for not a pie publishing, we have, you know, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, uh, and TikTok, and then, uh, and, and, you know, for, for, uh, luckily I have somebody helping with the TikTok because that is not one where I feel particularly adept. And so we're hoping to grow there and get into kind of the book talk realm. Then, uh, let's see, Hive, Mastodon, Threads and now blue sky and it is overwhelming and so sometimes yeah. it's you know this is the same thing that's just going on all of them and it's a quick you know here's this post and i'm tossing it up but that isn't the real it's not real engagement at that point it's just kind of blasting out into the universe uh this message on multiple platforms to see what sticks and i miss to i mean twitter was my favorite like it was yeah. the one where I was having real conversations with, you know, people that I enjoyed and people that I really admired, you know, Roxanne Gay responded at one point to something that, you know, and it was like, oh my gosh, you know, these are yeah. you know, these, these amazing uh, authors that I'm having, uh, you know, some kind of interaction with and threads, uh, it was, no, it was blue sky today. I, I was, you know, interacting with John Scalzi. So like, there is this like, you know, people are, are uh, you know, making their way to this very, oh, and then Chelsea Kane on, uh, on threads uh, rather than Blue Sky. So like, 
But the other thing I ran into was I was trying to tell my fiance about some story I'd come across and I honestly couldn't remember. Did I read that on Twitter or Blue Sky or Threads? Because they all look the same. And so, uh, yeah, it, it is the, the, the fracturing has made it even more difficult when the whole point was to reach people. And now yeah. it's even more difficult to, to connect. The uh, I don't know if you were able to attend this, but but the um, the brunch keynote speaker for Willamette Writers Conference for for this last year uh, uh, back in August, Dong Wan Song. No, yes, I saw his. Yeah, it was really yeah. good. So they 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 were talking about kind of the same thing, you know, like the 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 fracturing of social media and the way that social media does and doesn't play into play into. Uh, writers because it's 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 weird like on a, on on a personal level social media is a way to keep in contact with your friends it's a way to like have a conversation with somebody that you admire right. um on a professional level you want to be able to promote your work right. you want to be able to promote um other people's work you want to be able to find leads for work you want to and um so for the longest time i think the publishing industry um especially kind of kind of valued twitter um i know a lot of people that are struggle to leave twitter um because that's that's where they find out about things you know i write short stories uh twitter continues to be a really valuable way to find out what markets are open which yeah who's accepting you know, what stories are coming out yeah um and we you know we we find that there's just there's just like a scattering of discords and slacks and message boards all over the place now where you can find that information but it's tough yeah, um, I'm personally the, the, like, the finding information and then the the you know getting the information out there and you know you, nobody. I mean, as much as I'm on all these different ones, I do not have time for all the discords and slacks. Like yeah. you know to to be reaching out to people via those. And so yeah, it's it is that fracturing is going to be I think really challenging. But I also appreciate appreciated the point Don made about you know the, the, as as Twitter has devolved it is still much easier for me. Like, and I need to recognize, you know, that, uh, that, you know, I can go, well, I can, I can still hop on here and not deal with yeah. nearly the abuse that a lot of other folks in a lot of other communities have to deal with. So I, I always feel reluctant when I'm like encouraging the authors for the company, you know, you got to get out there and, and be promoting yourself. And I realize I'm bringing a lot of inherent protection, uh, uh you know, into that space, uh, that a lot of other folks don't have, but, yeah, it's uh, it's it's also, you know, seeing who has left has been unfortunate, you know, like, oh, this person is is no longer here. And I used to be able to have any positive interactions with them. So that's taken a lot from it. I've taken a break from social media yeah. myself. Like the irony is that is that, you know, I'm still I'm still involved in the social media components for willing writers. But as a as a human, I had to I had to just tap yeah. out. So I, I've, I, you know, I'm, I'm currently in, in the middle of my social media fast right now, actually. Um, yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I know I will be popping back in, um, in order to promote things because again, you know, this is part of the job, but, uh, just as a, like a human, you have to, you have to kind of figure out like how many, how many of these things do you have to do? How much of your time do you have to invest in it? Uh, my prop, my struggle with Twitter is the, is that, is that I, I worry that, me using it is giving them you know some business that they can then use to continue to do yes things that i don't agree with they can say to advertisers no look not everyone has yeah. left and it's and it's gross i don't want to be helping them yeah. um yeah that is that that is a frustration that the fact that you're taking a fast though is really interesting like protecting <laughs> yourself while having to also do this as a as a yeah. you know as a position and then 
but but not on your own time. Like, no, this is you know. Like, we talk, I mean, we we talk about it. There's a team of people. It rotates, but there's a team of people that do social media for Willamette writers, and we'll talk about it. Pretty, we have to. I mean, we have to be candid with it with ourselves about whether or not you know we can continue to do it, and because you can, it can be, it can be, even doing it. Um, you know, as a, as a representative of Willamette writers can sometimes be stressful or, or daunting, you know, yeah. I used to, I, I, I used to have, um, I still do, but I, you know, I'm, I'm in the middle of a little bit of a fast, but I monitor like all of the, all of the communications that come and go out of Willamette writers, whether or not I'm responsible for them or not, because I mean, I, I, I don't want to spoil it for anybody, but there's more than one person sometimes that's responsible right. for our social media. Um, but I would see all of it. So I would see material that I wrote, material that other people wrote, responses, feedback from everybody. And even just the the act of doing that, sometimes it could be overwhelming. So it's just, yeah. a, it's, it's that whole balancing act of social media is such a valuable tool. It's so great for community. It's so great for um, professional development but it is not without its without its very significant uh, negatives. As Willamette writers, have you had to deal with a lot of filtering out of like awful, you know, garbage coming at Willamette writers or does Willamette writers, has it stayed pretty safe because it's not a particularly controversial organization? It's been generally safe. Yeah. Um, I, and I, I, I have not seen anything particularly problematic recently. Good. I mean, you know, you always, every once in a while, you'll see something and you'll kind of, you'll kind of go like, ah. but nothing, nothing like, nothing like um, some other organizations and individuals have received. I mean, I think we've been pretty lucky in that. And part of it is that it's really an opt-in group. Like yeah. people are not, people are not like going out of their way to go after an organization that's just trying to foster the community for writers. <laughs> like we're not, we're not, you know, we're not, we're not necessarily um, driving discussion you know yeah we're, we're 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 engaging in discussion and we're we're inviting people to join discussion but individually like willamette writers is not is not is not the uh you know we're not being very opinionated and throwing stuff around i mean it's yeah. i mean our our um you know the the values that willamette writers represents are sort of really difficult to get all that upset about because it's, right it's just like it's like right. oh we're all about community we're all about education we're all about professional development for writers how do you get mad about that yeah i know that there are people that can and right they do, I'm, I'm sure but, we, we should be knocking on wood or something because yeah, there's somebody sure. out there who's going to go this is the worst thing ever you know supporting one another in this way <laughs> but, right. like, but uh, yeah well and the other thing is it, it does, it's not an organization and you know uh, I I don't think you'll be offended by this. So it's not an organization with power. You know, it's not an organization that has a huge budget that's got a giant staff that's throwing its weight around in in policy making or whatever. It's bringing people together. It's mostly volunteers, uh, and right. so I don't think people find it threatening, which is really good. I I, I think that's you know a, a strength. This is an organization that is you know. So yeah, I I, I recommend those, those of you who are uh, you know not yet members of Willamette Writers. Become a member. If you're hearing this and going, that sounds lovely. Yes, become a member of Flame Writers. I mean, we're a very we're a very cozy bunch. You know, there there was an event um uh in the Portland office this week, um, just a few days ago, like on Wednesday. And it was just like a bunch of writers having lunch and talking about writing and just sort of socializing yeah. with each other. <laughs> just, uh, so it's like that's the kind of controversial, you know, uh, yes. uh environment that we're creating. We're just we're just sort of creating space for people to feel welcome. Writing <laughs> nerds nerding out like my people right, exactly oh, makes me so happy yeah. <laughs> that's great 
So uh, this is a show about procrastination, what we're doing when we're not writing. And so what, you know, social media absolutely uh, is one of those things. But what else has been keeping you away from your work lately? You know, I... (laughs) I have to admit that I am I am a, a serious workaholic, um, and so it's it's difficult. This actually, this when I read this question, I was like, "Oh no!" Like, <laughs> what do I do when I'm not writing? And the answer is often thinking about writing or doing feeling guilty about related. not writing. Yeah. Yes, you know. So it's it's often related, but um, uh, you know, I do have I do have stuff that I that I that I will get into like uh, media wise, and um, I think. So much of my and, and the problem is is that this is connected. Like I can't say that it's completely disconnected right. because I gain I gain it, it has an impact on my writing as well. But I'm a really big music fan, um, so I I listen to um, uh, when I'm when I'm working and not when I'm not working. I would say probably. 70 or 80 percent of the time unless i'm directly talking to a person and i need to be able to hear them i'm listening to music yeah um so i I listen to music when i'm writing i listen to music when i'm when i'm running i listen to music when i'm just cooking dinner um so i listen to a lot of music and uh this is a pretty good time for for some of my favorite bands they're putting out some new music and i'm pretty excited about that like i get i get pretty you know i get uh my my music nerd excitement yes um is is on so um there's so who's a, been jumping out at you lately that has been you know you know you're going okay i need to go run now because i want to spend more time hearing this yeah, there are a couple of uh, albums that came out. I think they came out the same day, actually, and that was in August, uh, towards the end of August. Um, there's a there's a band I really really like called Spanish Love Songs. Spanish Love Songs is a you know like I, I tend to I listen to a lot of different kinds of music, but I but I tend to gravitate towards um, towards punk rock or heavy metal that has um, very literate lyrics i yeah. guess i'm always drawn to that like kind of poetic I, i'm totally a lyrics guy like if the yeah. lyrics are just you know pablum i will i'll go oh I, I i understand why people are enjoying this it's very catchy and danceable and it's doing nothing for me and then if the lyrics are great i'll you know i'll, I'll pop something on and you know my my fiance and son will be like this is awful and i'll be like but the lyrics are so good <laughs> i uh uh, so I, I've I've described kind of my comfort music as uh, as 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 punk rock music about depression. Um, <laughs> yes. It tends to be like it tends to be, you know, it's got that punk rock style. It's got the speed. It's got the anger. It's got the aggression. But it tends to be about emotion, and it tends to be about you know like the difficulty of living in the 21st century. You know, the strain of capitalism and uh, you know things of that nature so like spanish love songs is a band that actually really got me through the pandemic because it was just it's very sad angry you know yeah. it's, it's got this i don't know this, that i will have to look that sounds i like love i love this band i love this band uh with my whole heart um i i've you know but so they the new album again it's it's this very you know it's very much it's about um you know like difficulty of dealing with with the financial reality this sort of sense of environmental catastrophe and all this stuff and it's i mean it's 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 bleak but it's but it but it i don't know it it, get, it makes me so happy you know well, sometimes <laughs> um, i don't know if you, you know you've experienced this but sometimes i i feel like if we are i'll come across somebody who is acknowledging like the you know the, the planet is on fire and i'm like oh it is a relief 
to yeah me. it's validating like, oh, we're you not gonna this, pretend yeah. that that's not happening yeah <laughs> like, it's this like oh thank goodness like we all know right. like obviously we're all aware because the fire is literally right over there but like that we're talking about it openly is really relaxing so like i grew up listening to punk and a lot of the punk rock bands that i listened to were extremely political but and i love that i still love all of my very political left-wing punk rock bands what i like with with about spanish love songs is that that's still there but it's super personal now mm. it's now not just about you know the evil empire you know the 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 politicians it's about like no literally i can't afford to buy food yeah you know and it's about like i i have healthcare problems you know like i am living in a world where i have to i have to think about whether or not there's going to be an active shooter uh, and again, it makes me happy. Uh, I can't right, explain right. why it's that validation, but it's also, you know, it's also galvanizing. You know, you listen to, you know, you listen to, you listen to something that's, that's sort of angry, sad, um, and it kind of helps you to kind of express those things. And uh, I listen to it again, I'll go for, a, I'll go for a long run and I'll listen to it or I'll be writing and I'll listen to it. Um, so I find it just, you know, like, I love it. The new album is, um, what's it called? Um, no Joy. I think it's called no no joy, <laughs> which again sounds super right. exciting. Yeah, uh, but it's uh, it's good stuff. And then another the the other one that came out the same day that I also really love is a band called A Giant Dog, and they describe themselves, or I've seen them described. I don't know if this is self chosen moniker, but they've they're described as a glam punk band. So it's punk. sort of like it's sort of like David Bowie crashed into you know like a punk rock band, um, and so there's this there's this sense of like uh this new album is actually a concept album and it's a concept album about the science fiction uh uh city um and they're talking about like all these science fiction concepts and they're talking about like outer space and um but it's also again grounded and like you know like their lyrics about the misery of being human you know of humanity and about machines replacing you and it's very grounded in that very personal personal thing and the whole album is just uh is just this you know uh, you can imagine it being like a rock opera, but yeah. like a punk, uh, like a glam punk rock, glam punk rock uh, uh, opera. It's it's such a good album, and it makes me so deeply happy that um, I'm like I'm like watching. They're going to come to Portland, and 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 I think November, and I'm like oh, I kind of yeah. want to go, but I haven't been to a lot of concerts recently. So yes, um, have you read uh, Armin Tor Tol Tolentino's uh, "We Meant to Bring It Home Alive"? I have not. No, I know Armin, but I haven't read that. Yeah, he's he's amazing. And the first third of it is a story that reminds me of that. So the first third of it is told in poems. So it's you know it's 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 a it's a rock album without the music, right? Mm -hmm. But the uh, you know it, the, these poems tell this story of somebody who is going off into space and the person they are leaving behind and they are you get the sense that it's like maybe brothers one is you know going off and to be the astronaut and the other is is remaining and it is this deeply personal story but it's absolutely a science fiction story and so you know what does it mean to now be apart from this person off in space and remembering these childhood you know experiences that that were shared and it's really i think you really enjoy it like space I should I'll have to check it I'll definitely have to check that out yeah, um Sci-fi poetry. I actually teach it in my sci-fi class just so I can show my students poetry doesn't have to be Hallmark cards. Like you can do a whole lot of cool things. And he tells this wonderful science fiction story through a, a series. Of, I mean, he's got three chunks to the book and each one is a separate, you know, kind of thematic 
the, the, you know, the, the second two are more around a, a theme, but they're not sequential and, and uh, narrative in the same way. But the first one is amazing. Like, I, I, I love it so much. So yeah, do yeah. check that out. It's I really got to check it out. I mean, Armin's, Armin's such a, such a wonderful human. So I'll have to, I'll have to give it a, sh- I, I'm not surprised to hear it's amazing. I'll put it Well, and way. knowing him, I mean, he is like the sweetest, nicest and most positive sure. person. Like he's totally uplifting and it's cool to read his poetry and see like another side of him. That's one of those things I, you know, always like to, you know, we get together for all these events and everybody's like encouraging one another and we're all peppy and happy and, you know, and then you get into our work and it's like, oh, this person is wrestling with them some stuff. So yeah, check out his work. I think you'd like it a lot. I, I know that, for me personally, like both creatively and as an audience member, I'm so fascinated with those paradoxes yeah. of, you know, like a crazy science fiction story, but that's super personal or yeah. angry, but also sad, you know, like it's that, it's that, it's that, uh, you know, like what you would, what you would uh, initially think like poetry, but with science fiction, but what you would initially think are, 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 uh, incompatible are perfectly compatible you just put them together and you're like oh this is like chocolate and peanut butter like it's it's yes. a perfect it's a perfect blend i until until i listened to a giant dog i would not have thought of glam punk right because right. punk is punk is such a uh like a stripped down aesthetic to then add in that extra layer of like no it has the heart of a punk rock band but they're in they're in like wild space costumes yeah okay yeah well and to and you know to like once i hear it like I wouldn't have thought of that either, but then you go, yeah, there is something that's incredibly edgy and subversive about glam, and right. and that can work with punk. Like punk oh, is, you absolutely. know, I'm gonna I'm gonna punch you in the face with this music, and glam is like, yeah, I'm gonna challenge you with what I'm putting on, and you know, spectacle. But it is well, funny because punk really, you know, in a way, was a reaction against. Absolutely, like you know, to the, that very and now very it's like come produced, around to yeah. you know twisted sister is you know punk and <laughs> right i like i i had this i if i was on social media i would have put this out as a tweet or something but i was like you know there's nothing more punk rock than therapy which <laughs> right you know, i mean how far have we come <laughs> but it's true like there's so a certain true. point like there's a certain point where like the most rebellious thing that you can do is give somebody a hug and ask them to join your community yeah, and, you know, and like... say the thing you don't want to say like it's, right. it's it's a different kind Precisely. of punk where it's like the you know the, so much of punk was like these are the things i need to say and nobody is letting me right and now it's like these are the things that i wasn't letting me say i need to go to therapy <laughs> <laughs> and I love it. I love it. I I do. I I uh, I find that I find that for me, music is like a like a cutting edge of some of the stuff that's going on socially, and then also creatively. Like there's there's like themes and stuff that I hear and things that are being explored. I mean, let's talk about like the interesting stuff that's going on in science fiction. Some of the most fascinating science fiction stuff that I've been exposed to has been in music. You know, like there are bands that are doing like crazy concept albums. There are bands that are um, that are doing all sorts of stuff that really expands the definition of science fiction. And then you see it sort of the science fiction inspires the musicians and then the music inspires the, yeah. the next generation of writers. But I think that it, I think that it tends to be kind of like a leading uh, indicator. I think a lot of the social revolutions um, that we see start sometimes with, with musicians 
Well, and I think that's, they... you know, if, if, if I had to guess, that's probably because of the kind of barriers to entry in, you know, like if, if you want to start a punk band, you can start a punk band for next to no money and pass out cassettes. And I mean, back, you know, back sure. in the day, it was literally cassettes, you know, and, and, and so there weren't some of those institutional barriers. Whereas if you want to, you know, start a, a, a multi-million dollar, uh, you know, lobbying group to change policy, that's going to, you're going to need resources and you're going to make compromises in the process. And, you know, that that's, uh, it's, you're, you're, you're not going to be on the cutting edge. You're going to be, you know, always, you know, having the meeting about how do we, how do we word this, <laughs> you know, like punk is not, you know, and I think, you know, I think about what has changed in our industry with, you know, it used to be you'd write a book and you had to go through all the gatekeepers and it was years and years and years. And now so many of those barriers to entry have fallen that are, you know, short fiction, novel, even a novel that takes, you know, two, three, four years to write can still say things that once upon a time would not have gotten out there because, you know, nobody would have allowed you to uh, print 8,000 copies of that thing unless you had, you know, uh, the, the resources. So, you know, we're challenging capitalism by making cheap art. <laughs> that's a, that's a great way to think about it. It's, it's, you know, make, I, I, one of the, one of the things that always inspired me the most, um, and it's been so long, I'm not going to remember this, but uh, the, the names, um, but uh, I remember in my, and back in my university days studying um, uh, various movements in 20th century literature, um, I think in particular, it was like, a, I think it was like Chicano theater. Um, oh, yeah. And what, one of the things they would do is, and you, you, I'm sure you probably know this and can fill in the details, but the idea that there would be theater groups that would literally take like flatbed trucks to the fields and they would, and they would bring theater to, to the laborers had such a, such a, tr a profound impact on my brain as a young person thinking about that thinking about, um, I can I can make creativity subversive by making sure that I am speaking to and with people that are normally not included as part yeah. of that conversation. Yeah, those that that theater movement was this like Brechtian kind of yeah. neo-Marxist. We're going to go out there and we're going to actually get people involved. And then the whole point of the show is to get active afterwards. Like this yeah. is not just passively you know we sit there with our monocles and say yes that was a, a wonderful production of phantom of the opera like this was wow. about we are gonna you know <laughs> it's, it was it was that was badass theater like yeah you know um which i love so much that somebody was using you know a, a, an art form in a way that it you know i mean brecht had done it but not let's go to the people who need to know that they have power and make them feel powerful through theater like that that's really cool mm -hmm. Um, so what is, uh, now we're getting into the politics, which is fine. I, I, I am comfortable, uh, talking about that all day long. What, what has been news that has been, uh, pulling you away from your work lately? I mean, I could, I could, I could rant about, about politics and current events for far longer, um, than the listeners probably want to hear it. <laughs> um, so, uh, I would say that, that I, absolutely I am a very engaged person when it comes to the news it's sort of hilarious i uh in moving i found um like old floppy disks from when i was like 10 or 11 years old and um i got a, i had to go and find like a usb adapting three and a half floppy drives yeah. so that i could read them and uh, i loaded these old three and a half inch floppy drives and i found what would now be blog posts 
but oh. they were like scre- like political screeds that I wrote about the 1996 uh, presidential campaigns going into 94, 95. I was 13, 14 years old and I was writing extensively about Bob Dole. Um, <laughs> so I can talk about Bob yes. Dole in 1995, but... <laughs> I'm not going to do that because there's a lot of people that are not going to be like, who's Bob Dole? They're really um, going to say, who is Bob Dole? Yeah. <laughs> Bob, you know, remember he referred to himself in the third person all the time. How can you not remember Bob his name? Dole. Bob Dole yeah, talked about uh, Bob Dole. But uh, I would say that of a more, maybe more interest to the listeners of the news and, and also a little bit delightful to me, the news stories that I find myself gravitating towards that, are like a they're like a fire that catches and then just keeps spreading and gobbling up my time um is uh weird stories so i'm i i collect bizarre anecdotes or bizarre science stories there was a story just recently i think in the last couple of weeks about um somebody who got this uh and it was in australia because not to stereotype on australia but there's some weird weird stuff that happens in australia when it comes to the animal kingdom yes the natural um, world in australia is <laughs> the natural world in australia is not entirely sure it wants people there right. um, but this person got a parasite that was probably from like snake droppings and the parasite was worms that were in the person's brain and uh it was causing all of these symptoms of like memory loss and depression. And then they opened it up and it was just this giant worm. Yeah. And like, so I've been like, man, I've forgotten things. Do I have a giant worm in my brain? Brain worms. Like like, I had a bad day. Do I have a brain worm? You know, and it's all those, like the medical stories where somebody tells you a story and and you have to stop and wonder like, I've used a neti pot. I've watched that episode of House. Do I have like an right. amoeba in my brain? Uh, so I, I uh, stuff like that or or little weird factoids, again, that you can do stuff with. So like, and people know this about me, which is good and bad. So, uh, you know, like one of our mutual friends, uh, Kate Ristaw, uh, just like one time just walked up to me and handed me like a homicide investigators book. She's like, Oh, I found this. I know you want this. And I'm like, I, I do. Thank you. Yeah. Now um, I do. Yeah. I appreciate that. Um, but like, I'll get messages from people and somebody was like, did you know that cruise ships when they're large enough, they have a morgue on board. And obviously they do like, it, it makes, makes sense. sense. And yet but, I never thought about that, but you don't think about it. Or somebody else messaged me and was like, did you know that when babies are born, they don't have knees. Like they just don't have patellas, the bones that make the knees. Oh yeah. Present. The caps. Yeah. Yeah. They grow later. Yeah. And then, and then that kind of followed up into like looking into like various x-rays to see the number of bones in a, in a person's feet grow and change and shift it's wild i've seen the hand ones where people are like why can't kids type when they're in kindergarten they literally don't have enough bones like their hands are not formed well enough that early so that stuff fascinates me both as a really morbid human being um and as a writer uh and i and i just i i like i am so distracted by that i've you know and, and you'll jump into these like rabbit holes as a as a as a writer like researching things and the things that will captivate me tend to be those very macabre details like images of what the teeth look like in the skull before yes. the baby teeth fall out you know and stuff like that um 
just just really weird morbid stuff i'm always fascinated with i always look into it i don't know why i'm this way i mean i grew up watching a lot of horror movies so i have like a higher tolerance maybe to that but it's also for me it's the it's the um this is news or this is information that prompts follow-up questions right and follow-up questions that can lead to a fascinating conversation or uh a creepy short story or a creepy novel yeah um, i have i have spun entire you know plots of stories based upon some random weird factoid my, my so. mother has a theory and maybe this is you know feels true to you as well that some people are hoarders of stuff and people like me and maybe you as well are hoarders of pieces of information absolutely yeah that it's a that it's a comfort thing like i i feel better knowing that i know that thing so i have to acquire that piece of information and file that away or type that up or keep that somewhere or you know books to the ceiling because then i feel like okay I, i i know i can access that and i won't be caught feeling insecure going i didn't i didn't know that like so everything new that i can know is like oh good i feel a little better because i won't be surprised by the you know this this piece of information uh so maybe maybe it is this it's a security blanket of factoids (laughs) yeah did you know that babies don't have patellas well i do now now i do and i won't be surprised by that in the future thank you i learned one this last week i went and saw uh, john oliver i'm totally gonna steal part of his show uh, sharing this but you know it's a fact that he was sharing guests so the, the the theme of the whole uh the whole act was history is this thing we need to know or else we're going to and it wasn't just you know like scoldy or else you're going to repeat it it was like or else we're stupid like we need to know these things you know and uh and so he had some great examples you know he talked about uh um you know daylight savings time and how we have this like common misconception that it has to do with agriculture which it does not at all you know uh but the funniest was uh, he was talking about how, you know, we we know about uh, uh, the United States dropping the atomic bombs on Japan, but we don't ever, we're not taught, we accidentally dropped three nuclear bombs from B-52s onto the United States, and they just luckily didn't go off. I have heard a little bit about that. Yeah, but it it's definitely so wild. And I did not know this. Yeah. Like, how did I get through to this age without knowing on two separate incidences, we dropped <laughs> Nuclear weapons that were 250 times as powerful. They would have left a hole the size of Washington, D.C. in South Carolina and North Carolina, respectively. And we dropped them out of B-52s and they luckily didn't detonate. How different would our history be? How would how differently would we feel about nuclear weapons after we dropped them on ourselves? <laughs> you know, or would we have blamed the Soviet Union and gone to war to cover up? Like, you just have to wonder, what, how would that have played out, you know? All of the everything that I find out about that about that era uh, just makes me go like, oh, I'm so glad we made it. <laughs> we made it. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know the story about the guy that uh, in in the Soviet Union who um, was uh, uh, you know the, the the computers informed him that the United States right. had launched, and he just decided no, it's a computer error, and if he hadn't, we would not be here. Like it was <laughs> one guy. <laughs> was just. I don't think I'll start a nuclear war today. <laughs> yeah, all of those things just, you know, oh, good. It was just mm-hmm. one, it was, it was one person that, ah, fascinating, terrifying, yes. fascinating, terrifying. Yes. So uh, what about a hobby? What do you do when you are not writing that gets you away from, uh, I mean, you've got more than one, but what is that? What's a, what's a hobby that can kind of help you uh, dissociate from, uh, you know, <laughs> the, all the writing that can sometimes get pretty grim. 
Yeah, I, I, uh, I, again, I find it really hard to disengage from work, um, and uh, it, that kind of results in somewhat extreme hobbies. So, like, I'm a marathon runner because, I mean, that's a hobby, I guess. Um, oh yeah, it still it qualifies. It is, it, it is obsessive. <laughs> like, in fact, I, but, I admire it, and like, I have, I have quite a few friends who are runners, and I have a deep admiration. You know, watching the way it changes diet and and sleep patterns and everything else, and I also just think, oh my gosh, like I can run, you know, down the block, and that, <laughs> and I'm pretty much done. How did you get into it? Um, I think you know, I started. I did you know, I did the Couch to Five K program, you know, which is where you just sort of do a do a incre increasing. So this wasn't when you were you know in, a kid in school. This oh was, no was no adult. no this is this was this was just um, five six years ago. Really? So um, I was a I was a very unhealthy kid. Um, I have very severe asthma, and I have very severe asthma that's triggered by two things. One is pet dander, specifically cats, and the other thing is cigarette smoke. And I lived in a household with chain smoking parents and multiple cats. So I had what the doctors would refer to as chronic bronchitis, just or the actually at one point it was just the croup. I had the croup for basically like my entire childhood. Um, and so I was really sick and I couldn't, I couldn't, I couldn't exercise. They would, I would try to do sports and I just couldn't, I would try to run and I couldn't. Um, and I was just physically, I, I just was 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 unable to breathe i would have asthma attacks it took a long time before they diagnosed me and i got an inhaler and then it took longer before i figured out what the well i i think i kind of instinctively knew but it took longer until my parents understood that maybe this the chain smoking was a problem yeah. um so <laughs> but because of that i never developed those sort of uh uh a, a love of, of being physical. In fact, I associated it with, I can't breathe, I'm dying. Right. Um, and so it was probably six years ago, six, seven years ago, now that I think about it. Uh, I have type two diabetes, which I developed uh, as an adult and it was out of control um, because I wasn't very active physically and I, I had a really terrible diet um, and I wanted to do something about it because it was going to kill me. And I had it very much in my head that this is the thing that's going to kill me. Um, and I have a handful of other, you know, chronic health conditions, all of which are not better when you're not active. Yeah. So I finally, I finally, um, in my late thirties, uh, started doing the couch to 5k program. I actually, I started with a Fitbit, um, uh, just to, get my 10,000 steps, yep. you know, to do exercise. And then as I got more comfortable, just sort of walking around, I started, I started doing some running training. Um, and then I found that I really enjoyed it. I found that I found that uh, when my asthma was properly treated and um, I was, I was trained up to it. I was like, wow, this is great. Like all of this time, I thought that I hated exercise, but the reality is that I just, I needed, I needed to talk to my doctor and get like better medication yeah. um, and switch from like the emergency inhaler to the steroid based inhaler that prevents your lungs from, from uh, exacerbating. Um, and then as I did, you know, it, it, when you finish couch to 5k, you can usually run about a half an hour or about three miles or five kilometers. And I did that for a while. And then I just thought, you know, what? I, I am enjoying this and I, and I like doing it and I want to do more. And then somebody suggested, Hey, you could run a half marathon. And then I ran a half marathon and I, and I trained up for it and I loved it. And then I, and then I started doing, um, half marathons a lot, um, 
actually, I think I did a half marathon and then the following, I did a half marathon in the fall and then the following spring, I did um, full marathon. And then I did like 12 more half marathons in the same year. And then I trained up and did multiple more marathons. I was actually like, it was a really big part of my life going into 2020. Um, I was, I was at my best marathon running condition in about March of 2020. And I was scheduled to run the, um, uh, the one of the St. Patrick's Day races here in Portland um, in March. And then I was scheduled to run the uh, full marathon at the Eugene Marathon in April. And then I'd had plans to run the marathon in Portland in, in October. And then everything shut down and all the races yeah. shut down. And um, having severe asthma um, and other underlying health conditions, I was particularly concerned about COVID. Um, and it made me particularly cautious about pushing myself because at the same time that I was in my best marathon running shape, um, I was, I was pushing myself more than I needed to, but I was, I was comfortable with it, but it was like the week that everything started getting bad with COVID. I had an asthma attack while I was in the middle of a run and I kept running because I was, you know, I was in that headspace um, and I ran through it. And I, I not, I'd done it before for short runs, but I was running like 12 miles or something. And like in mile six, I had an asthma attack because I was going as fast as I'd ever been able to go. Um, and the long story short is at the end of this, I was coughing up blood for several days yeah. and I was like, I'm coughing cool. up blood and there's this respiratory illness. Yeah. So it's that's that's kind of the long story about how I got into long distance running um, during 2020 because all of the races were canceled. Um, my wife organized what she called uh, the Milwaukee Marathon. I live in Milwaukee, Oregon, um, and it was just I had figured out a figure eight of about nine and a half miles in my neighborhood, and if I did three of those, um, it was roughly well. It was about it was a, a little bit less than three of those. It was equivalent to a full marathon. So I just did that around our neighborhood, and it was just my wife put like sidewalk chalk out and like had an aid <laughs> table set up for me. That's um, awesome. So uh, and now I'm now I'm you know now I'm a little bit out. I'm definitely not in the marathon shape that I was in three and a half years ago, um, but I'm getting back into it, and it's 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 a, it's a passion and a hobby that I, uh, um, I, I very much love to do. So you do intend to get back to, you know, full marathons. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I was registered for the Portland marathon again this year and I just, just didn't happen. Uh, I just didn't get, I didn't get to the, uh, I didn't get into marathon shape. Um, it's really, really hard to run for a very long distance in the summer when it's hot. Um, and it was particularly hot this summer. It's been hotter in the summers. I don't know why. Um, but it's been hotter in the summers here, even in the Pacific Northwest and smokier. Um, I mean, the the air quality is, is with the fires, that would be a real challenge. I can imagine. And I have to be, I have to be very careful about that because, um, even just a very small amount of, uh, I watch the AQI, um, pretty, pretty carefully because if I go out, 
even just to the grocery store, um, my asthma will trigger from, yeah. from, 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 yep. from, from fire smoke. So there's my son has usually, asthma and he's a cross country guy. And it was like, no, the, the, you, you can't go to practice today. It is, it is, you know, and so the AQI is something I had to learn about. Like, this yeah. is not something that as kids, we even were aware of. And like, now I'm like, mm, I better, even growing up in San Diego, where the smog was visible, like the air quality in some ways has improved over these majors. LA does not look like it used to look when I was a kid, you know, in San Diego and some of these places. And yet the fire smoke is, it's gnarly. And yeah, learning to pay attention to that and go, I'm not exposing him to that with, you know, with asthma. That's, that's, that's serious. I unfortunately have some neighbors that like to do, you know, big backyard fires um, and it's fun and I'm sure they enjoy it, but I mean, even just their big backyard fire, if I'm, if I'm not, if I'm not like, we have to make sure that our windows are closed because yeah. if there's smoke, it's into the house. Um, yeah. I, it's, it's, it's a frustrating thing to be like, I remember there were, uh, there are multiple occasions in my marathon training where, um, you know, you, my body, like, cause you reach, it's very meditative, which is the, which is what I will, what I will say to recommend long distance running. Um, it's, it is, you reach a state of, uh, I would call it like non-thinking thinking, like you're just, you're just perfectly it, like it's quiet, like your brain goes completely quiet, which for somebody who, who, uh, is a creative person that's always thinking about story. It's one of the few times that I have like a, like a hard, like two, three, four hour, just, this is it. My brain doesn't think about anything other than moving my body around. Um, and, uh, uh, so it's it's extremely it's extremely meditative. I'm not sure where I was going with that. I think I just lost my train of thought. Um, but just that that kind of the the psychological benefit, you know. Of, yeah, yeah. And I actually I found it I found it to be really helpful for anxiety. Um, I found yeah, it to be really helpful for just right everything. Away. Somebody just, who's just always kind of a little low level yeah. anxious always. <laughs> you know that would be really good to go. Oh, there's a time when it can turn off that I mean, I, that's even hard for me to imagine like really that i would i would get to a place but then it's true it, it happens if you know if i get to a flow state in a book when i'm working on a yeah book, absolutely I, and, and I, that's i have the... lost myself in this entirely i there's no me i'm just you know this is just what happens next in the story you know this is the way she would say that <laughs> like, you know you hit a point i was i tried to explain it to another friend of mine that's uh that was that was taking up long distance running um, and I tried to explain that, and it's different for every person. There's a balance between being distracted and being not distracted. That if you're in the perfect middle place, you know, you feel, you feel, you feel like that release. So you're, it's like a, a fidget spinner. You know, you give your brain kind of something to be occupied enough with that it doesn't occupy itself doing something else. Yeah. Um, so I find, I find that running is, is kind of like a fidget spinner for my, for my, uh, internal monologue yeah plus all of the physical benefits yeah, <laughs> that's, that's, yeah. A, that's a good solution so I, I think i got really into running uh when i one of the reasons that i got really into running was because of publishing because at the time that i got really into it i had i uh, my literary agent at the time was like trying to sell some books and it wasn't going well and i was like i can't fix that but what i can do is i can go and run yeah, because I mean, yeah, then that's, you know, for, for readers who are out there who are listening to the show, one of the things that's so challenging about this business is there are, are these periods of time where things happen that are totally outside of your control. 
and they might it seems like most of the time <laughs> they're out of the the publisher's control you know yeah and so you can really get in your own head and and you know just have your wheels spinning going i'm wondering what is happening and it's not even that it's out of your control it's out of your control and often you don't even know what the progress is you know is being made and so you can just perseverate in this really dangerous way so yeah i can imagine finding some other way to occupy yourself while your stuff's out on on sub is yeah, that's that's healthy. See, for me, it's the company. So it's like, oh, I'm I'm I, you know yeah. I'm, I can't work on my own stuff, but at least I can work on this other author's stuff, and I can, you know. But the 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 downside health wise is then as a consequence, I never stop. Like you know, I was up till four in the morning last night working on cover art for you know uh, updating cover art for one of our authors because my story wasn't flowing but that's okay i can work on her cover like there's always you know uh but yeah that maybe something that got me out of a chair would be a, a good thing occasionally i should consider adding hey i recommend it walking running hiking yeah. anything that you can do like whenever i you know as a writing teacher i will just tell people just move like the best yeah. way to to shake something loose is to get away from the screen for a little while oh yeah I, I am a big fan of the you know karen eric witchy mom you know okay you've been sitting here for 45 minutes you got to get up and move around yeah like it's it's good for your brain so um yeah that that, that has been positive for my eric witchy has been good for my writing and my health <laughs> like, break that up take those breaks so one of the things that I ask writers about when I have them here on the show, uh, just to kind of help readers get to know you, if you were a character in a Dungeons and Dragons game, what would be your race and class? So I'm a, I am a Dungeons and Dragons guy. I've been playing Dungeons and Dragons since I was nine years old. Um, so I, 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 you know, this is you speak in my language. Um, I, uh, uh, usually as a Dungeons and Dragons guy, I'm the dungeon master. Mm. Um, so I usually have, you know, I am all of the characters. Um, but if, if I'm, if I'm trying to think about like who I would be, if I was going to be, um, the main character in the game, uh, I would say I'm a halfling bard, um, which is not what I would have thought, you know, when I was a kid and when I was a kid, I'd be like, no, I'm the paladin or whatever. But as I've grown up, I'm like, no, I'm, I'm absolutely, I'm the, I'm the halfling bard. Like I'm, I'm, uh, you know, I'm, I'm winning people over with song, you know, like I specifically could imagine myself as like a traveling heavy metal musician, you know, like in a, like a, like a heavy, like the heavy metal fantasy cartoon series. Like I'd just be going along and I'd be like, all right, everybody, let's have a musical break. Um, so that's, <laughs> that's, awesome. that's kind of my, that's kind of my demeanor. And obviously I talk a lot and I tell stories a lot. So it like, you know, you want to be like, oh, I'm the strong silent type. And I'm like, no, I'm the talks too much and hugs too much guy. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's, uh, talks too much. Yeah, that's, that's a, that's a good, uh, the, uh you know, that, that, that'd be a good uh, first line in your resume. Yeah. <laughs> talks too much and hugs too much guy. I'm hiring that guy. Uh, so you're attacked in your, you're walking through the woods and three level one goblins spring out at your halfling bard. What do you do? I mean, I'm a, again, I'm a social, I'm a social gamer. Um, so, you know, there's different types of uh, Dungeons and Dragons players. There's players that'll, that'll just, you know, oh, it's an attack to just roll dice. Um, I'm much more like the, hey, what's your name, goblin? You know, like, I want to have a conversation with them. Um, and I, you know, I carry that over as a dungeon master. Um, I know my, uh, I've, I've run some D&D games with my wife um, and uh, some of her friends. And occasionally I'll run a game where it's just... Like it worked out that it was just all couples um, and um, uh, like friends that are couples. And it there, there ended up being this like 
this running joke about like how every time I would introduce a monster, the players would constantly try to like bring him in the monster into the party, like, make <laughs> friends with the monster. And I would say like when they were doing it as a dungeon master, I'd be like, but you're supposed to fight this monster. But then as a player or as me, I'm like, but that's what I'd do. Right. So um, I'm, I'm very much like the, you're a monster. Why are you a monster? You know, like what's going on? What's, what's up with, you know, are you not able to find employment other ways? You know, like, are you, are you, are you kept in the woods? You know, like, because they won't let you settle in the town. Like, do we need to go and do we need to have like a, uh, like an intervention on your behalf? <laughs> like, do you want to be part of our community? You know, like what's, what's going on goblins. And that's, that's how I would, that's how I would react. I think. Oh, so, so healthy. <laughs> it's excellent okay we're gonna go to our ad break and when we come back i'm gonna ask you what you've been daydreaming about today's episode is brought to you by the all-new merch store at notapipepublishing.com of course the site has books and books and more books but we also have merch like t-shirts and hats and art prints my apologies to YouTube viewers, but podcast listeners, imagine a far more handsome t-shirt model telling you, I just got this new shirt, which shows a ghost saying, boo is Latin for I shout. Seriously, look it up. You're welcome. We have hats with the logo from Unrelenting by Jesse Hennard and Marie Parks, the logo from our Stories Within Anthology, and stickers that show Justice Sotomayor saying, respectfully I dissent with the respectfully crossed out because she chose to omit that in her response to the court's recent homophobic ruling. And there are art prints by Michaela Thorne, the artist and author of Tooth and Claw. Check out all the great merch at the store and use the code SHOWFAN for 10% off your entire order. All that's in the show notes. Also, we're always on the lookout for great guests and advertisers. So if you have a book or other product to sell and you're looking for a group of the most intelligent, witty, discerning readers, let us help you make that connection. Our ad rates are as low as 15 bucks and guests will never pay to be on the show. Right, Doug? We, we agreed on that. We only have guests we want to talk to. Some jerk offers us a billion dollars to be on the show. No way. Take a hike. Keep your billion, Elon. Stuff it in a pillow and hug it and cry because you're not cool enough to be on this show. Them's the breaks. You too, J.K. Rowling. Get your hateful, racist, transphobic ass out of here. You can't buy an empathetic soul with that billion dollars, and it won't get you on this show either. The rest of you, make Writers Not Writing a part of your marketing plan today. Welcome back, everybody. I'm here with Eric Grove. Eric, what have you been daydreaming about lately? You know, I kind of I kind of mentioned this uh, a little bit that 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 paradox, you know, like sad, angry. Um, and it, and I think about that a lot. I think about the paradox of anger, I would say, in particular, um, that is, is it daydreaming or is it just obsessively thinking about it? But uh, maybe it's just obsessively thinking about it. But I think about the paradox of anger. Um, because again, you know, I grew up with punk rock music, which could sound very angry. I grew up with heavy metal music, which could sound very angry. Um, I grew up in a world, uh, both personally and just socially that gave me plenty of reasons to be very frustrated and angry. I still live in that world. Um, and the relationship like, but, but I'm the hug guy, you know, I'm the, I'm the walk up and like figure it out guy. So the paradox of how does that anger, um, get expressed in socially healthy ways how does that anger uh i started thinking about anger in terms of like running metaphors because 
you do a thing often enough, you start to turn it into the metaphor for everything you're right, talking right. about. Um, but I started thinking about anger as like an emotional running injury as opposed to, because I think the narrative that I was sort of trained and I don't, I can't even put my finger on how, how I was trained about this. Enculturation, like it really is, it's like, so broad. The, but the but the but the vibe that I got was that anger is just this it's this horrible negative thing or it's a it's a a loss of control. I think I associated anger with a loss of control. I unfortunately had uh, people in my life growing up that were very angry and violent, um, and uh, I would always associate getting angry with destruction um, or or scariness. And I never wanted to be a scary person, um, so I don't I don't yell. Um, I don't, uh, I'm not physically violent. I talk a lot and I can maybe be animated, but I'm not, I'm not a, uh, um, I'm not a, like, I'm not a break things person. I'm not a get angry and, and um, do destructive things person, but I am a person that, that, that does get angry because there's reasons to be angry. So I think about that running metaphor of this is an injury. Anger is your, your soul telling you that you've just been hurt or that somebody else has been hurt. I also started thinking about anger as, um, like a parental instinct. It's that instinct. Anger is the same, is the same root maybe is that uh, instinct that you know about where parents will talk about, you know, being able to lift a car. I had a friend of mine um, that when I was like 11 or 12, he was backing a riding lawnmower out of the back of a pickup truck and his dad was there. And the, one of the, one of the ramp wheel things flipped out and the riding lawnmower is going to go down and you know take his son and the friend's dad just grabbed the riding lawnmower and was like get off the lawnmower and he got off the lawnmower and then he pushed it back but that ability to harness the adrenaline to protect yep. his son i think is i think is the positive representation of anger it is um you know it is it is it is coming from a similar place of there's somebody in danger there is somebody that has been hurt i need to do something to intervene so i think a lot about ways that i can make anger healthy mm-hmm. ways that i can take anger and i can pour it into activism or advocacy um without it being like how can you be angry without raising your voice and Especially I'm, if raising your voice isn't going to make you less effective at combating whatever it is that it is you're trying to challenge, you know. That's and I'm furious, like yeah. a lot of the time. I'm very angry. I'm very angry at the injustices that are surrounding us. I'm very angry about, you know, like uh, you know, Portland is a challenging area to live. Um, I, you know, w- moving and operating in downtown Portland um, with the houseless epidemic makes me angry and i want that anger because it's that's my heart telling me that it's hurt and at the moment that my heart doesn't get angry when i see people affected by uh fentanyl uh addiction or without resources to survive i'm going to start to worry about myself like and who i am so one of the things that uh that you know was a kind of a revelation to me that was very helpful is that you know, one of one of the ways that we were raised as boys, especially, uh, is th- that anger was the the only acceptable feeling other than kind of neutrality. Like you could be feeling nothing, 
or everything else had to manifest as rage, right? And so I have worked to try and figure out, am I angry at this thing or am I sad? And I am, I, I have been trained that as a man, I then therefore must express that as anger. I am, you know, I, I am, I am hurting for this person and therefore it has to come out as rage, right? And so, you know, kind of piecing those apart and saying, is this that kind of healthy anger? Is this that, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be, you know, saving somebody from the, the, uh, riding lawnmower that's about to crush them? Or do I need to cry? And instead I'm saying, but, but, you know, boys don't do that. And so therefore I'm pissed. Like, and so trying to tease out what are, what are, what am I really feeling? Because I agree. I think anger is healthy. It is a part of kind of the spectrum of human feelings. It is entirely legitimate. And also, what are the times when I am shoehorning something else into right. uh, anger because I feel like, well, that's the that's the one that I'm allowed to express, you know, and and saying no, I I get to express these other things uh, instead. Uh, nobody gets to tell me that you know because I'm male, I have to. Uh, anger's all I've got, you know. But that that has been a challenge. I have such a uh, in a weird way a reverse experience with anger because I grew up with angry people and it was so baked into my being that I didn't want to be like them mm -hmm. that I, I would not express anger or I would not allow myself to feel anger um, and to this day like I am way more comfortable crying in front of strangers than I am with raising my voice like yeah. I like it, it's it's kind of it's kind of a, a weird uh, contradiction because I don't feel um, vulnerable when I'm expressing sadness or when I'm crying or expressing things, I actually feel like those are emotions that are, that are inviting people to become closer to me. Um, and I'm, and I'm, and I'm okay with that. Anger is something that I'm always afraid is going to drive people away from me. Um, so Does it also feel like if you were expressing anger, you're, you're on the verge of expressing that you're losing control. Maybe that definitely like I, I definitely, I, I, you know, uh, I, I would probably say I'm, I'm a bit of an emotional control freak because if, you know, again, if you're, if you're, if you have that history with, with anger and violence, you know, you're always worried that you're going to either run into it again, or you're going to become guilty of it yourself. Right. So um, you'll appreciate this. I have a close friend of mine, uh, a deal, one of my colleagues, math teacher and he's got a reputation for being very quiet very calm and he said to me one year i want to challenge you this next year in your classroom never raise your voice and it was really hard the first year and i failed one time i snapped at some kid and i shouted at the class and the next year i made it and since then i never yell and it has been remarkable because that I now understand, you know, even though my family, we get together and people just are loud. Yeah. Uh, that is really threatening to a lot of my kids because they're in homes where when somebody yells, somebody may also hit. Right. And so just, you know, and, and, and me yelling at one student may, you know, change this one student's behavior, but I may have 30 others now who are terrified. And so getting away from raising my voice has been really good in my classroom. Uh, but uh, yeah, it is, you know, get, breaking those habits of, well, this is, this is the way I, I, you know, inform the people around me of the way that I'm feeling. Oh, I shout. Well, I, if I, if I'm, if I'm shouting, I'm scaring people. I, uh, 
so I, I had a, a situation recently that kind of ties a couple of these questions together. I was in a role-playing game and one of the players in the character, their character was angry and they were, they were, they were raised their voice and they were angry um, at my character in particular. Um, the player was not angry at me, but, right. the, but the character was, and they raised their voice at me and I, yeah, I had a physical reaction to it. Right? I, don't, I don't, I don't do well getting, I don't, I don't respond well to getting yelled at. Um, but it's, it's, it's funny because like, just to kind of, you know, underscore that, like, <clears throat> you never know what somebody's history with anger is going to be. Yeah. You never know what somebody's history with all these things is going to be. Um, for me, I, 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 my, my goal is to, is to, is to think about it in ways that I can turn it into a positive thing and do I can express it in a way that's, that's, um, bringing people closer rather than pushing people away. And that's, it's hard. It's, I don't, I, I, that's a balancing act that it's, that I, I honestly, I suspect I'll, I'll work at for, for the rest of my life. But. Yeah. Well, I, I, you'll appreciate this. So uh, today I heard a song that was hilarious. Somebody out there has taken um, a, 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 a Metallica's en uh, Enter Sandman. Nice. And they put the, the, the sound, the, the lyric track, from um uh, uh don't stop believing and <laughs> you match them up just right and so it starts and it's the da, 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 and you're like i know this song why, why is somebody telling me i had to listen to this song and then suddenly it's you know just a small town girl and you're like what is happening here mm -hmm. and it is done really well so you know it even has the like you know like and then you know mixed in uh and it made me so ridiculously happy. And then I realized, and I listened to it like three times. I was just cracking up, just imagining people expecting one song and then they're hearing this very different thing. And then I was realizing part of my kind of upbringing as, you know, Midwest Presbyterian, <laughs> it was just being that happy made me feel guilty. <laughs> like really strong, these, you know, really ex extreme feelings. But the, the the reason I bring that up is like, I'm 46 years old and I'm finding, oh, I'm, I am still trying to understand my own me emotional reactions to things. Why is it I feel bad for feeling that this song is so funny and so happy and, and I feel guilty about it? Like, <laughs> you know, um, so, yeah, I think, you know, you know, as we are trying to piece out, how, how do I deal with this anger? that I am feeling or how do I deal with this anger that this other person is feeling when I don't even fully understand why I feel what I feel in so many cases, you know, nothing more punk rock than talking about your feelings, <laughs> right? You were, you brought it back home. Nicely <laughs> done. <laughs> so uh, I want to give you a chance to share what uh, some, some announcements, what's been going on with you in terms of your writing career that people need to know about. So I have a couple of anthologies that are going to be out in the fall. Um, that I'm really excited about. Um, the first is The Cozy Cosmic. I, I believe uh, you've had multiple folks that are going to be in the table of contents with me on, um, I listened to J.B. Kish's episode and he mentions The Cozy Cosmic. Yes, I am um, excited about that one. It's a, it's a, it's such a um, counterintuitive, you know, concept. But again, my obsession and love of paradox, right? Um, and then, uh, so I have a piece in there about um, uh, cats and Cthulhu, obviously. Um, 
So that's, I'm very excited about that. We're going to be doing some readings. That book releases on the, I think it's the 10th of October. And we're going to do a launch party at Rose City Book Pub um, for the release of that. I think we're also looking at doing some events, though it's still a little bit in the air around the HP Lovecraft Film Festival. I think we're hopefully to do some readings and have the books for sale there. Um, also in November, um, there's another anthology uh, uh, called... Uh, uh, the winding paths. Uh, the winding paths. Winding paths. Exactly. I'm excited about the. The reason I jump blank. on you there on that one is I am really excited about this. Tell everybody about what makes this one so clever. I think this is a brilliant idea. So the way that this was brought to me um, was from the one of the uh, the publisher co-editors, um, uh, Francis, who I know is is uh, you know Francis. Francis, yeah, I think she's been, been on the show. She's great. Francis is amazing. So Francis and I are, are socially acquainted and we've been in writing groups together. So, um, and we're familiar with each other's writing. Francis said, um, you know, this is an anthology. It's, it's, it's about games and it's going to be kind of a game based anthology to the extent that it's supposed to have, like, there's a choose your own adventure framework behind the book, the anthology. Um, and the cover itself is a game board for a, a game. game board. That's yeah, it's, it's, it's absolutely. So, so it's going to be a lot of games and then, and what what makes this particular uh, story for this anthology extra great is that Francis basically made me play a game in the process of writing it. Oh, really? Which is to say that Francis was like, Eric, you know, write a story for this, please. I want you to I want to see you submit something for this. And I was like, OK, I'll, I'll get to it. Um, and then she would follow up. And um, it was still I still had plenty of time. I can be a last minute kind of submitter. But she was following up, you know, brazzing me because she's a friend. And I told her, oh, I had an idea. I was working on it. And then that and then I told her that idea didn't quite pan out, but I was going to figure something else out. And then she goes, Eric, I'm giving you an assignment. I want you to write a story about roller derby. And I want you to set it at a, at a, at a lake house. And I want it to involve a goat. Yeah, and and then she, she was just throw like. all these out of a hat? Like, where did she... I think the roller derby thing was just a pure joke on her part, yes. thinking about games. Um, the murder at like the, the lake house was because I had talked about my other story was going to involve that. And Francis, uh, I think some of the stories that Francis enjoys that I've done the most are um, summer camp horror, I guess is yeah. the best way to put it. So she's a fan of my summer camp horror. So that was where the house came from. And then uh, she'd written some stuff and about goats, like there'd been like, recurring jokes about goats so those were the elements and she threw them at me and then she was like you're not going to be able to do something with this and then literally like 36 hours later i had created the story that i love absolutely it is my favorite short story that i have personally written and i submitted it to her and she was like oh my god and it's it's this uh it's about a post-apocalyptic uh roller derby team playing a match on um the frozen salt lake so it's frozen because there's been like massive climate fluctuations. Um, and I, I worked it all in there. I've got like all of the elements in there and it's just, it's like a crazy raw, raw, raw sports story, but it's also just, I don't know. It's, it's a, I'm beyond excited to read this story um, when we get to do readings. Oh yeah. Because it's just absurd amounts of fun. Yeah. Um, it is it is an absolute blast um it's called uh the last rad babies on the on the great salt lake um and it's just just pure 
fun and energy and it's you know like one of the things that i took into it the theme of like what's the importance of a game because that's what i was really really wanting to get at as far as the theme like what makes a game important you yeah. know and um what does it do for people what is the value of it so i'm writing these characters that are living in, an, in, the, in a post-apocalyptic world and they're talking very candidly um with each other about how it's you know the world's a bad place but the game gives them something, you know, like yeah. that. It's it's that there's so much that joy. Is interesting to think about. Like one of the essential characteristics of a game is that it doesn't actually matter. And yet it matters a lot. Like yeah. that is, you know. Yeah. In fact, I think it's just a game uh, is 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 part of the is part of the thematic refrain in the story because what does that mean like yeah. that that can mean that can mean it doesn't matter it's it's no big deal if you win or lose which is good and true or it can be dismissive because it's not just a game it's right. it's about community and and a certain amount of like coming together and hope and there's like there's yeah, a, your there's only a, there's source a, of hope and joy in a terrible world can come from a game there's this vibe sometimes i think you get when you're playing a game and the game is is very close and you're like, aha, you know, like I do a lot of board games, which is the other thing that I know Francis um, thought one of the reasons that Francis thought probably Francis thought I was going to write something closer to board game related. Mm -hmm. But then Francis went ahead and made the mistake of giving me the roller yeah. derby prompt. So, um, but there's that like moment when you're like, aha, I'm going to roll the dice and you roll the dice and it's a good dice roll or you flip the card and it's a good card. And there's that big burst of, you know, like happy, happy chemicals. I wanted to capture that and put that in the story. Yes, and I feel yes. really happy about it. And which is, I mean, it is wild when you step back and think of it. It's like, I have achieved something that's literally a dice roll. Like yeah. <laughs> on the surface, it is the mo, it is, it is the least achievement oriented thing. And yet I win. I got a, I got, I, I got a crit. I got 20. I, you know, am, 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 am a successful human being. Dopamine, dopamine, dopamine. Like, <laughs> you know. Um, but yeah, I think there's a lot to play with there. You know, like that's that that can be a source of great joy and community. You're right. You know, it's what brings us together. So um, that's coming out in November, and and I know we're gonna have all sorts of events for it. So um, I will, you know, you'll ask me, and I'll tell you how to people can can stock my events. But um, yes, in those events, I will be talking about it because I'm so excited about about doing events for that. For well, we'll put events. links in the, in the uh, show page too. So. Yeah. And you can pre-order these books, both of these anthologies. I think they're, or are they both available just... already for pre-order? Uh, I think them. Francis said the winding path pre-order was up. I know. Uh, okay, Cozy I know yeah. I know that that's, that's been in the works. So that'd be, that'd be, if that's up, it's just up. So yeah, folks look for that. But uh, that I saw, I saw her at that little lunch thing that I mentioned it was Willamette writers on this last week. So it was just a few days ago. So maybe, okay, maybe good. it's done. Maybe it's not. She was still working on it. Yeah, yeah, I know that she was having, I mean, again, it's one of those examples of, you know, things in this industry that we don't always have control over. Sometimes you'll send something off and the printer, you have done everything right. And the right. printer goes, I think we're going to take an extra week. <laughs> and you're yeah. like, I I need you to, you know, get on this and make this happen. So, uh, you know, Francis is a very organized and capable person, and yet she can't control the printers. <laughs> like, Nobody can. But yeah, I hope as as soon as that is up, yes, do I encourage folks pre-order those, get those, uh, uh, you know, sent your way. The other great thing I was realizing about pre-orders, I had this happen. I got uh, Jesse Kwok's uh, most recent one. I pre-ordered it and totally forgot that I'd done it, and then it just showed up in the mail. Like on a, the it's day like day. a Christmas present like, you get for yourself. This is yeah. the best day. I, 
<laughs> a present you get for yourself that you can forget about and then it just arrives so that's a, I, I highly recommend it um so one of the things we do for the show is uh, a weekly poll when i remember to post them now on the eight different platforms of social media uh so what would be your uh recommendation for a question for the the universe to answer we always used to ask this question of everybody when I was in college. I don't even know why. I don't even know where it started. But um, back in college, all of our friends, we would argue about it. Cake or pie? Yep. Yep. Th this was this is a an argument in my household. My mother, yep. birthday pies, does not like cake. Yeah. You know? And I'm like, any like somebody's like, would you like a muffin? And I'm like, a muffin is cake. Absolutely. Yeah. I will never turn down any cake. So. Yeah. And then there's the, and then there's always the question that somebody will raise which which will lead to a much larger conversation is cheesecake pie or cake that could be the question too we could put that out there that you know that that could uh yes that that, that is an maybe we have a two-parter i like that so what's in your sitting around in your to read pile everybody you know us writers our to read piles are, are dangerous uh towers that threaten to fall on us but what's something you're looking forward to checking out Man, I was going to have a copy of it in front of me so that I could show off the cover, and I forgot. It's in the other room. Um, but uh, my friend uh, Alice A.Y. Chow um, wrote a book called Shanghai Immortal, and it's been out in the United Kingdom. Um, and it's done quite well in the UK, and it's going to come out here um, in the United States in October. Um, and Alice is coming here and doing a reading at Powell's with uh, Fonda Lee, um, like an in-conversation event with Fonda. Um, and I still have not read Alice's book. So I, yeah. I need to, I need to, I need to, yes. I, 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 I'm looking forward to reading it. Um, and it's a, it's this great, it's what, you know, like jazz age uh, demons running around. Um, it's a, in Shanghai, like in, in, Sh in jazz age Shanghai. It's a, I've, I've read, you know, we're, we were critique partners. We were workshop partners. Oh, wow. So I've read bits and pieces of uh, work around it. I've read like, I've read like random bits of promotional copy. I've read all sorts of little things around it, but I haven't quite sat down with the entire book and gone through it. And I am, I am really excited to do that. I just finished the other book that I was working on and Shanghai Immortal is something I'm going to start. Yeah. Right? So will it be released in the U.S. by U.S.? It is. It's going to be, it's going to be, well, I, you know, it's been explained to me, but I don't fully understand it. It will be, it has a U.S. release date. You can get it from all U.S. bookstores, but I believe it's being released by her U.K. publisher. And, you know, I that's, I mean, the, the, the barriers are weird in the industry. I've never fully understood why they have them. Like our, our books are available in U.K. bookstores. They're available on, you know, Amazon U.K. They're available, but they're not in some bookstores because some bookstores will go no we need a uk version and I, why i've never quite fully i bought shanghai immortal from blackstones in the uk when it came out and i just you know my excuse is that i'm busy but not, i have no excuse to have not read it by now but uh uh, no real excuse but so i have the uk version so um uh i don't know if they're gonna like Americanize the spelling, the spelling. suddenly yeah, color like is going to have no color is going like, to be spelled know. American style um, rather than I British. Don't, like, is that the extent of the change? You know, from what I've seen, um, it looks like it's going to be the same cover because you know how sometimes when you yeah. put a book out in different in different countries, it'll have a different cover. It looks like it's going to be the same cover. My guess is it's going to be exactly the same, and the only main difference will be the price tag. Is my guess, but I don't know. I don't. I I I, I write the stuff. I don't understand how to sell right. it. 
Yeah, well, I I am excited to check that out too. I had not read Fonda Lee until uh, you know, what was was it last year that I uh and it was Jesse Kwok who said, Oh, you need to check these. Yeah, out. and Fonda's oh great. Gosh, so great. Yeah. <laughs> And the, the the little anecdote that got me was uh, Jesse was telling me that uh, Fonda Lee, as a, a you know, as kind of a promo for a book, was saying if you pre-order this book and put a name into this form, I will send you an apology letter for the character yeah. of mine that I have killed, <laughs> the character yeah. that you love that I've killed. And I was like, I need to read her. <laughs> I think she's I think she's done she's done stuff like a couple of times, but she's she's great. I mean. Um... I'm uh yeah I, I I've 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 played board games with Fonda and Fonda's a delightful person. Oh really? To play board Good. Games I, with. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm I am jealous. I after reading her books, I'm like, wow, this person's a rock star. For a she's reason. she's amazing. She's amazing. And um uh, I am I'm so when Alice is my Ay Chow is going to be here, I'm gonna I'm gonna be I'm I'm her her uh, chauffeur, and I'm gonna oh, make nice. sure that she gets to Powell's. So I'm looking forward to 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 not only being present for when she's here because I haven't seen her and you know. It'll be about a year since I saw her in person since since Viable Paradise. Um, so she'll be here. We'll, you know, she'll be doing a reading. She'll be doing a conversation. So also, you know, check out that Powell's event. It's right. going to be pretty cool. Yeah, that would be a, that would be a fun one. I'll, I'll see if I can. We'll we'll see if we can find a, a link to that in the show notes too, because I'm sure that's already on their events page. So yeah, I'll, it I'll is. It is. I know. It, I know it is. So where can folks find you online? Um, I think because of the shifting social media landscape, the easiest way to do it is to just go to my my website, um, ericgrove.com, and that's Eric with a K, so E-R-I-K, Grove, G-R-O-V-E.com, yep. and then I've got all my all my links and stuff, that's where all my, everything is there, um, I mean, am I active other places, sure, but you'll find those places through my webpage. Yeah. Yep, that sounds good. And again, we'll you know make sure there's an active link in the show notes. So scroll down on whatever app you're using and click. Um, so what's uh, who are some other folks you would recommend I reach out to to try and get on this show? I mean, uh, I would I, I specifically want to see Kate reappear on your show. So Kate Rista, I would I would encourage She's you so to to drag Kate back. Um, I also think Remy Nakamura, also here, a local local writer. Remy's great. Um, I mean, the thing is, is that I looked at I looked at your your episodes, and I'm like, you've had so many people on that I would recommend, but they've already they beat me to the punch, right? They were on. But before. Remy's a good one. I, yeah, I will absolutely reach out. That's a that's yeah. a good one. And then yeah, Kate Kate is always fun. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I think I, you did, I, I think Kate mentioned that you did like a group. It was a group episode. It was yes, like a live yes, episode. we did one down in Grants Pass that I'm going to release after. Uh, you know, I'm not going to be recording during Rose City Comic Con, so the uh, the, the Grants Pass episode. So folks will actually get to see uh, that next week. Uh, that that is, yeah, that was that was fun to have a, a panel uh, of authors down from Southern Oregon, and then Kate came down from Portland to, to you know be there, and uh, that one was really informal we just kind of were gabbing so but but it was really fun so yeah folks check that show out next week and there's a whole bunch of new authors some of whom i had never met before and they were wonderful so that that'll be a good one um okay so before we get to our send-off uh some folks i need to thank thanks to the artist max oakland who reached out and provided one of his songs for our song i uh for our intro i prefer the dusk uh let max know you like it by following him on twitter at max oakland with three d's 
Uh, thanks to Halizna CCO for their song Kids for the ad break. If you're in a band and would like a song used on the show, I would love to highlight a listener's work like Max's song, so email that to me. Thanks, as always, to Doug, the producer, for making this show sound good and taking the blame when it doesn't. Thank you, Doug. Uh, Thanks, and I Doug. cannot forget to mention Writers Not Writing is a production of Not A Pipe Publishing. So please go to notapipepublishing.com and check out the amazing books written by writers who didn't procrastinate too much. If you like this show, rate and review wherever you found it. Check out Eric's Cozy Cosmic from Underland Press and the, uh, the, the Winding Path book that is coming out. And when you get your hands on those, Please put that fifth star in wherever distributor you got that from and write a short review. You'd be surprised how short the reviews can be. And those five stars in that little review makes a big difference. So make Eric's day, write a nice review for those anthologies. Um, and if you want to do the same for this show on whatever app you're listening to it on uh, or watching it on, that would be really appreciated. So Eric and I have uh, some things we want you to think about going into this next week. Eric, what's your advice for everybody thinking about this next week? You should probably be drinking more water. Yeah, that's... Stay hydrated. <laughs> Stay bet. Yeah, as I am drinking nothing but Mountain Dew. Yeah, I hate to say it, me too, but I, I do have <laughs> water also on stage. Yes, I, I try and balance, yes. Yeah. Um, second, as I always say, uh, a book without spaces would be gibberish and our lives need spaces too. So don't ignore the spaces. And third, no matter how much you procrastinate, we're still proud of you. If I take my time.